ReachMD XM157 presents a special series, Insights in Future Medicine. Do we have a new weapon in our fight against bioterrorism? You're listening to ReachMD 157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, your host, and with me today is Dr. James Baker. Dr. Baker is the Ruth Dow Doan Professor of Medicine and Biological Engineering, the Director of Michigan Nanotechnology Institute for Medicine and Biological Sciences, and Chief Division of Allergy. Thank you, Dr. Baker, for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Today we'd like to discuss the development of a new vaccine against anthrax that comes from Dr. Baker's laboratory. Dr. Baker, could you tell us about this new vaccine? This new vaccine is unique in that it takes a single protein from the anthrax molecule that's been shown to be a protective vaccine and mixes it with a nanoemulsion. The nanoemulsion is a non-inflammatory adjuvant that allows you to put this material in the nose of an individual and get an immune response that's protective. And this approach is very different from other types of vaccines that are injected and cause inflammation because it goes into the nose just like a natural infection and penetrates the mucosa to achieve an immunization that results in both systemic and mucosal immunity. What is a nanoemulsion? A nanoemulsion is small droplets of oil suspended in water. Emulsions are much like the emulsions that you have in food products, things like salad dressing, which are mixtures of oil and water. But those emulsions quickly coalesce. They release their energy and go back to oil and water phases because that's the lowest energy state. We make these emulsions so the droplets are very small by putting lots of energy into it, and we stabilize them with surfactants so the droplets can't coalesce, so they maintain this potential energy. And it's that potential energy that allows them to penetrate through the nasal mucosa and allows them to be taken up by the immune system. What advantages does this vaccine have over our present AVA, or anthrax vaccine, absorbed? Well, there are a couple of advantages that we believe are present. The first is that it provides both mucosal and systemic immunity that may be very important in protecting against inhalation anthrax. The second is that it's a more potent vaccine. Just two immunizations a month apart protected animals six months later in our study, and they were protected against very high challenge doses of anthrax. So, in fact, it looks like we can get tremendous immunity without injecting this material. The final thing that I think is very important is it does not appear to be inflammatory. The traditional vaccine has had some side effects because it's mixed with an inflammatory adjuvant. This material is not inflammatory, and, in fact, there were no side effects in the animals and no inflammation after vaccination. So we hope to avoid some of the side effects with the current vaccine. Could this technique be used with other diseases? Essentially, we've looked at this with a number of different protein antigens and found that it was effective for almost all of them. So we're really optimistic that we can use this to reformulate most protein-based vaccines for nasal immunization. Could you tell us a little bit about the Michigan Nanotechnology Institute for Medicine and Biological Science? 
Well, the Michigan Institute is one of the leading groups in trying to investigate nanomedicine, and that's the application of nanotechnology for medical treatments and medical diagnosis. One of the unique things that we're doing is taking these very small particles and formulating them into drugs. The particles are so small that they have unique characteristics in the body, and the vaccine is a good example of that because the particles are so small they can penetrate the skin without disrupting it. We have other types of particles, dendritic polymers, that we're using as targeted drug delivery systems to treat cancer. And what we hope to do there is to get these particles to find the cancer cells, to penetrate the cancer and kill the cells specifically without harming normal tissue. So essentially, we hope to detoxify chemotherapy. And the real key here is the size of these particles. Because they're so small, even if they're made with similar things as larger particles, they have unique capabilities. You say they recognize the cancer. Is this because of its antigenicity? What we've been able to do is take a number of different molecules that recognize cancer cells, either through receptors or through antigens, couple those to the nanoparticles, and then couple the drug to the nanoparticle. So it's sort of like a binary weapon that can target and then deliver drugs specifically to the cancer. And we've been able to do this with a number of different molecules and a number of different drugs, as well as imaging agents, where we've been able to show that we can identify tumors that have specific characteristics or receptors. And this may be very important as we go forward with personalized or targeted cancer therapy. Could you use these particles to see how the tumor itself is progressing? Yes, that's a very important characteristic. Because we get these particles into the cancer cells themselves, we can get readouts from the cancer. And we can, in fact, tell after the cancer has been treated whether or not it's responding to the therapy within days or weeks instead of waiting for a tumor to either regress or to grow back. So, in fact, we're hoping to almost take the whole range of cancer therapy from imaging and diagnosis through treatment and then response monitoring and functionalize it into nanoparticles that can measure all of those aspects. If you're just joining us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard, and I'm speaking with Dr. James Baker, and we're discussing the amazing new field, nanomedicine. Do these particles help with the localization of tumor? You might find an unsuspected metastatic lesion using these particles. Yes, that's one of the things we're also expecting, that because these particles can get through the bloodstream and through the pores of the blood vessels and through the tissues, they can go and find the cancer cells wherever they're at, identify them early on, and specifically, if we can kill those cells without harming normal tissue, we potentially could kill a metastasis before we could even identify it. I have seen that this science is used in the delivery of pain medications and other drugs. Could you explain this to me? Well, theoretically, we can use drugs coupled to the dendromer to accomplish a number of different actions. One is to change their circulation time in the bloodstream. Another would be to get complementary effects from different drugs. 
i.e. give a pain medication and then a counteracting medication to keep an individual from getting overdosed. So that by mixing different medicines together, we could get a better outcome than one could achieve with either medicine individually. So having these nano platforms to couple drugs to really allow us to target almost any cell in the body for any application. Are you saying that there is a built-in feedback system between a drug and its antidote? Well, you could develop that type of system by coupling them through different types of linkers or chemistry that would release one or the other at specific time points. You mentioned earlier that MRIs or contrast enhancement techniques can be used. How does this work with your technique? Well, we can attach certain contrast media that light up with an MRI scan to the dendromer. So that if we give it to an individual, it would be directed towards a cancerous tumor. And if the tumor had a specific receptor where these particles bound, it would light up under MRI. So you could actually take a person with a tumor give these nanoparticles and find out, for example, whether or not that tumor would respond to a specific type of therapeutic. And that's much easier than what we're doing now, which is obviously having to do biopsies or other types of invasive methods to determine what therapeutics might be useful. Is there a use in space for this technique? Yes, NASA has funded this work for a couple of reasons. One of these is diagnostics. Obviously, if you're on uh, the space station or on a trip to Mars, for example, you can't have the traditional diagnostic machines. And we've coupled fluorescent dendromers to different types of ligands that examine people for cancer or infections so that we could, with a small fiber optic device, actually determine whether or not an astronaut is ill without bringing a large type of diagnostic machine, such as an MRI, up in space. So, in fact, it may be very useful, particularly in areas either on Earth or in space, where you don't have the traditional infrastructure that we take for granted here. This might do away with house calls. Well, it might allow us to sort of monitor people at home in a way that will allow them to spend their time in their own house rather than being in the hospital. It really could, you know, with wireless networks, potentially provide a means to provide home-based care for individuals that currently require either hospitalization or nursing home. Where are you getting funding for all of these really remarkable advancements? We've been remarkably well supported from a number of agencies. As I said, the National Cancer Institute support our cancer work. The Gates Foundation support our vaccine work. The National Institute of Infectious Disease, the biodefense work. And we've had funding from a number of other federal agencies for a broad range of things, including NASA for the space science. So I think people appreciate the potential benefit for this and are very excited to support this work. Are medical students being exposed to this new type of medicine? We've done, I hope, a good job of not only exposing students but trying to incorporate them in the research. It's interesting that we're getting more and more bioengineers that are going to medical school, and they have a natural background in technology and engineering that I think really makes them perfect for this type of work. And it's getting these cross-disciplinary individuals involved that I think will really advance these studies in the future.
What kind of specialties do you have represented at your institute? The University of Michigan is a remarkable place. We have a top 10 medical school, top 10 engineering school, and top 10 material science all on the same campus. So we have everyone from anesthesia and surgeons to applied physicists and optical engineers involved in this work. And it's really the interface between these individuals and having them meet and talk about things and understanding the requirements for medical applications that's allowed us to advance the science most rapidly. It seems the horizons are just beginning for nanomedicine. I want to thank Dr. James Baker for joining us. And we've been discussing a new vaccine against anthrax as well as nanomedicine. And I'm Dr. Maurice Pickard. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. For questions and comments, please send your emails to xm at reachmd.com or visit us at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to a special series, Insights in Future Medicine on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.